This is WEHC Emory 90.7 and WISE FM Wise 90.5. Time is 1 o'clock and it's time now for half an hour of Farm Talk with Virginia Tech Agricultural Extension Agent Phil Blevins. Well, it's good to be with you again today. It's good to be with you, Ivy, and with the listeners out there on WEHC. Uh, I think we have a topic today that we're going to talk about that a lot of people are interested in. Hopefully a lot of people are not having difficulty with, but it's a fear of a lot of people that uh, they'll end up with bed bugs, and that's what we're going to talk about today because that's something that's made a tremendous resurgence in the United States in the past several years. Um, and so we're going to look at that. We'll see how far we get with that discussion today. Uh, actually, the bed bug is an old pest. Uh, if you have been uh, ever listened to your grandparents and others talk, they dealt with bed bugs for years. My wife's grandmother, when she said when they moved into a new house, before they moved anything in, she would take boiling water and pour it between the cracks of the boards and things like that to try to make sure that they didn't have a problem with bed bugs, and they never did. It's really a common pest, or was a common pest at the turn of the last century, uh, and it was essentially eradicated in the United States in 1940 to 50 due to the use of DDT. Uh, but resistance uh, to DDT was documented, as well as to malathion and several other insecticides that were used to control bed bugs. And so that's one of the problems with it now is resistance. Uh, you can still kill bed bugs with uh, certain insecticides, but getting the proper exposure is really difficult. And we'll talk about how we can best control those things. It's interesting that the Orkin Pest Control Company releases each year a list of the top bed bug cities in the United States. And Fortunately for us, not many of those are close by. There are larger cities that, uh, like Chicago and New York uh, where they can be a problem, but they've also been a problem. Richmond's made that, that list up toward the top ten before in the past, as well as Knoxville, Tennessee. And so, uh, you know, we're not immune to it. I looked earlier, Norfolk is still pretty high on that list. And so... Uh, it's a huge problem for some people where it shows up, and so we want to look at that today. One of the things that you that you see associated with bed bugs and how people get bed bugs, you know, people sometimes associate bed bugs with being unsanitary, and that can be a problem. Someone that's not really a good uh, housekeeper or whatever or don't really pay attention to what they do as far as they're bringing into their house. But it's not just a problem associated with that. Uh, people can end up with this problem that really live in very fine homes and very fine neighborhoods. So uh, they're not prejudiced. Uh, they don't care who they feed on. And if they can get a foothold in your house, uh, then it creates a problem. Just a little bit of the uh, science of the bed bug. If you've never seen a bed bug, and probably you don't want to see one, uh, but they are what's called a true bug. And if you see them in the unfed state, the adults, uh, they're smaller than a pencil eraser, but they kind of have an oval shape to them. They're a very flat bug. Uh, when they fed, though, they're about the size of an apple seed or have the appearance of an apple seed because when they're full of blood, uh, the abdomen fills up and they elongate as a result of that. But why we have uh, bed bugs back today? Well, there's a number of reasons for that. 
Uh, international travel is one. Uh, you have people traveling to the states from all over the world. Some societies, uh, bed bugs apparently aren't considered a big issue to have those uh, in your home or the dwelling that you live in. Uh, another reason is misidentification, that people that haven't identified them correctly and maybe didn't know what they should do or, you know, how to treat those. You know, there are ways that you can get rid of them, and then there are ways that you can spend a lot of money and really not get rid of them. And then this uh, resistance uh, to insecticides, it's a problem now. And so just a word about that, how resistance develops, generally in any population of any insect or disease or whatever it is, there are resistant individuals in that. And when we kill off all the non-resistant ones, then we've left with a resistant population that's not as easy to control at that point. Uh, the bed bugs do lay eggs. And the very small ones, which are called nymphs, are almost invisible to the eye because they're kind of translucent or clear. And so you really have to know what you're looking for to get that. Uh, some people confuse them with ticks, but there's always a sure way to tell the difference between the two. A bed bug has six legs and a tick has eight legs. And so if you're not sure about that, that's one way to tell. There's a, no, a number of other insects that can be confused or that people confuse them with. It's kind of like seeing a snake. If you're afraid of snakes, every snake's a poison snake. And so if anybody sees a tiny bug that's really worried about them, worries whether it's a bed bug. But things like carpet beetles and cigarette beetles and uh, lice and uh, small roaches and fleas and things like that, people confuse for them. Uh, they are wingless. They can't fly, but they can move. And they move by crawling within a dwelling. Uh, but they also move in luggage. And one of, the, one of the things to be careful about is when you travel, if you're a traveler, uh, for example, if you take a taxi cab from the airport uh, to the, the uh, motel or if you take it uh, from the hotel back to the airport, uh, be careful about your luggage. Be sure you inspect that luggage because uh, bed bugs can, if someone's been in that cab or someone has been, had something stored in the trunk of that cab or wherever your luggage might be, you might pick up some individuals that way. One of the big ways, though, is in old furniture. You know, you see, uh, uh, and this is one of the ways it causes a problem, particularly in uh, multi-unit dwellings, uh, maybe where people are, um, not as well-to-do or whatever, or maybe they are not as sanitary and they don't have the money to buy a mattress, and so they see one sitting at a dumpster somewhere and they bring that in to their dwelling to sleep on, and that's really a good way to pick it up. Or somebody says, I've got a couch I'll give you if you'll just come and take it. Uh, unless you know the situation very well, that's something to be cautious of uh, because you can bring those things into the house uh, particularly that way by bringing in those. And, and you can pick them up in different places, like I said, in taxi cabs, uh, hotels or motels, even the fancy ones. It doesn't have to be the one that rents by the hour. Uh, it can be a fancy one. I've had a picture sent to me in the past couple of years or so of someone that was staying in a five-star hotel and wanted to know, what is this bug in my bed? And it was a bed bug. And so uh, be careful where you are. Uh, 
You know, bed bugs, if we think about what they're doing, they usually aggregate or they stay in groups and they'll be in cracks and crevices or under the bead of your mattress or under the tag of your mattress or somewhere like that in the day. And they're very active at night and they can crawl long distances. And they're activated by CO2. So, you know, we go to bed and we go to sleep and we start breathing. I guess that's why they're called bed bugs because a lot of of times they feed on people while they are asleep, uh, but they're activated by that CO2. Uh, but it doesn't have to be the bed. You know, if you, if you feel like that you have a problem, one of the places to check is the chair that you normally sit in to watch TV where the remote stays all the time. Because if you go to sleep in the recliner like a lot of us do, or if you're sitting there a while, then uh, you can... Uh, you can, if you have an infestation, that's one place to look. Um, they don't just work at night, though. Uh, if you happen to be sleeping during the day or inactive during the day, then uh, they're, they're very happy to accommodate you at that time, too. Uh, the majority, though, of what you'll find in a population is that they're in the digesting state. They've fed on blood, and uh, they're digesting that, and so they're aggregated together at that time. Uh, it was believed for a good while that they could live for a year without feeding, but new research has demonstrated that that's not the case. They probably can live about 70 days without feeding, but they can live longer in cooler temperatures. Uh, they do probe the skin to find capillary space, and they may do that several times before they feed, and they feed for about five or ten minutes and then they leave to find a place to aggregate or they look for a mate. And most bed bugs feed about every three to seven days, but some may feed every day. And more feeding by adult females uh, means uh, more reproduction and more eggs. And so uh, when bed bugs mate, it's a traumatic experience for the female. And so she's pierced through her side. And so as a result of that, she crawls away from the rest from the males, from the rest of the bed bugs. And obviously the answer to that is she spreads the population around. And so they do have to have males uh, to reproduce, um, but, and they will, re they will mate with their own offspring. Uh, and so, you know, there's two different terms to think about when we think about dealing with bed bugs. There's what we would call an introduction versus an infestation. And so if you have an introduction, you know, one or two individuals and no eggs or any sign of, of reproduction, you know, possibly you've got a situation where they're not going to increase. 200 adult males could be in an introduction, and that would bother us all if we found that. But that would not grow into an infestation, obviously, because they couldn't lay eggs. But you could have a single-mated female come in that could cause an infestation just by reproduction. And so Dr. Denny Miller at Virginia Tech, who's an urban pest specialist, has done a considerable amount of work in uh, bed bug control in the state of Virginia and is uh, very well known for her bed bug uh, control work. And some of the things that she's said that she sees when she goes into people that have these problems is they have, for example, multiple cans of Raid or hot shots sitting around that they're trying to get rid of the bed bugs with. But she sees these signs, you know, you see signs of the bed bug feces, uh, for example, around light covers or outlet covers 
or really down along the along the base of the wall where carpet where the carpet and the wall come together, or maybe even the uh, the baseboard and hardwood floor, or behind pictures that are hanging on the wall. Uh, she's got a picture of one where someone had had a pair of shoes in a box in the closet, and when they opened the box, then there were old bed bug skins and and live bed bugs in that. But uh, the places, some of the places to look, like I said earlier, is around mattresses, uh, particularly under the bead of the mattress or under the mattress tag. Look for signs of bed bugs there. Or if you have, for example, a torn place in a mattress, uh, look in that area to see if you see signs of bed bugs there, like bed bug feces, uh, or you see the old shed skins of the bed bugs in that area. Or even in luggage that you've traveled with that you think there might be a problem. Uh, even uh, think about uh, books that you might go to the library and get. It's a good idea to inspect those books before you check them out or before you bring them home because we don't know where all the books have been and, and bed, bed bugs are not p- particular about where they hide. And so that could be a place. And so. You know, you go into uh, someone's place and you see along the wall what may look like mildew or may look like up toward the ceiling mildew or some other mold that's growing. And it could very possibly be on closer inspection where bed bugs have congregated or aggregated and left their uh, telltale signs behind. It's really, uh, she gives one example of an apartment she went to and she noticed blood smears on the wall, these red spots on the wall. And when she asked the people that were living there what was going on, that's where they'd mash bed bugs on the wall with their fingers and smeared them. And, and she's, you know, she's told of some pretty sad circumstances along that line of things that she's seen. Uh, and so, you know, there's lots of things that are told about how to tell whether you've been bitten by a bed bug or not. Um, uh, you know, if one of the things to think about if you're trying to figure out if you have them, if you have uh, unexplained itching or red welts on your body and you can't, you go to bed, everything's okay, you get up, you notice you've got bites on you, that's a possibility. But the fact that you've, you have that doesn't mean that you have bad, <clears throat> excuse me, that you have bed bugs or maybe some other problem uh, that you're having to deal with. And there are a number of things that can make us itch and that we're allergic to. There's actually, I've tried to help people before that suffer from a condition called delusory parasitosis, where they believe they have insects crawling on them and biting them. And it's really, in some cases, where their circulation's not as good as it used to be or a number of other things, it makes it feel like that. And so be sure that, uh, uh, that this is just one thing to, to look at. And, um We'll continue this discussion in just a minute, but we are we are going to go ahead and take a break here now, and we'll come back to this topic here in just a few seconds. Well, the June bug comes in the month of June, and the lightning bug in May. The bed bug comes just any old time, but they're not going to stay. Oh, there ain't no bugs on me, and there ain't no bugs on me. There may be bugs on some of you mugs, but there ain't no bugs. 
are tuned to Farm Talk with Agricultural Extension Agent Phil Blevins. Tune in each and every Wednesday for another edition of Farm Talk, and he will answer your questions. If you are curious about bed bugs, give us a call here at the radio station, 276-944-6933, or email pblevins at vt.edu. Okay, I hope everybody's not scratching and itching right now after we've talked about bed bugs for a while. But we talked about those bites, and really there's no way to look at a bite and diagnose whether it's actually a bed bug or not. Uh, Some people have said they bite in threes. That's not necessarily true, but that's something that's been commonly thought of. And reactions to bed bug bites are really varied. Some people do not react at all. Uh, Others do. There have been different research studies that have done that say only 30% have a reaction. Others have said higher numbers than that. But this is one of the problems with with, uh, control of these things where you have um, multi-unit housing uh, complexes where a lot of elderly people live. Their immune system is not as reactive as it would be on a younger person. So they can uh, they could be uh, have a bed bug problem and be being bitten every night and really not know it because they didn't wake up and see them and the infestation gets worse before anybody figures out that something's going on and as I said earlier they're not necessarily associated with filth um, if you want to I've I've told you some of the places to look for signs. Uh, you know, for example, if you were checking into a hotel or motel and you're really concerned about this, then, you know, pull the, the sheet back and look at the mattress and see if you see on the mattress under the bead any signs of bed bugs. If you see blood spots, for example, on the mattress, uh, that's a good sign that they may possibly be there. And so, as I said, on ourselves, if we feel like we're having a problem, then uh, if we wake up with bites that we can tell we've been bitten or other problems, then we probably ought to investigate. That doesn't mean everybody ought to panic. I'm not trying to cause mass panic in the WEHC listening group, Uh, but these are just things to be aware of. Uh, So how do we get rid of them when we get them? Well, first of all, we got to determine is that the case. And so, you know, look between the couch uh, pillows and things like that around the bed, along the baseboards, and see if you see a problem on the headboard or the behind the headboard or behind pictures uh, to see if you any, see any signs of bed bug feces so you can see where they've been aggregating. Um, and then look for those molted skins and other things that would, that would give us some indication that they were there. Now, one thing to be aware of, there is another bug that looks almost, really you have to have a microscope or a powerful magnifying glass to tell the difference, and that's a bat bug. I had someone call me one day and sent me a picture and said, is this a bed bug? And I said, well, it sure looks like it. And they panicked almost and went into hyper cleaning mode and they were doing everything to clean the house up. And the more I thought about it and the more they contacted me, I thought, you know, they're not finding anything that's full of blood and they're not finding any blood spots or anything else. All they're finding is these adult flat ones. And so I called Dr. Miller at Virginia Tech, and I said, could these be bat bugs? And she said, well, they possibly could be. And so they took one 
to her and they had it identified and it was indeed a bat bug and it turned out that these bugs that were getting in were coming from bats that were behind the vent in the eave of their house. And so, you know, be sure that you know what you're dealing with. And so one of the problems with controlling these, as I said earlier, is we don't, insecticides are really not the best answer uh, when it comes to bed bugs because there is this resistance to them. Uh, They've done research with various classes of of pesticides uh, to see if they would control bed bugs. And one, for example, they had to glue the bed bugs to them to see whether it would kill them or not because just walking across it uh, doesn't do any good. And, you know, for example, some permethrin products, uh, some bed bugs that were collected in Richmond had to stay on it 432 hours uh, before they were dead. So we really can't count on that as being the best way to get rid of them. Uh, and so when you go to a uh, to a store or something and they say, here's the surefire way to kill them, well, it may kill them, but it may not. Uh, but the best way to control them is a heat treatment. And so the uh, thermal death point for adult bed bugs and the immature bed bugs is about 118 degrees Fahrenheit. And then, but for the eggs, it's 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, that's not just the room temperature. If you have to have a heat treatment done uh, to get rid of them, you need to ask the pest control operator that's doing it for you, can they get the material heat uh, that hot into the interior? If you've got bed bugs down in the cushions of your couch, down 12 inches down in it or down under the frame or whatever, it does very little good to get the air temperature in the room that hot. That's not going to kill them. Uh, you're going to have to get things heated into the interior uh, to take care of those and to ultimately kill them. You know, they can be killed by fumigation as well if you wanted to go to that extent. I don't know that that's used a great deal. Uh, They've done it before. Early on, they did that in, I know in one case, in a large apartment complex in New Jersey. It was high-rise apartments, and they fumigated that to get rid of the bed bug infestation there. The problem with that is, is if somebody brings their mattress back in or their luggage back in that's got bed bugs, there's no residual control there. So you're right back to where you were to start with before long. Same thing with the heat treatment. So you need to be careful that you're not bringing things back in. Now, exclusion is obviously one of the best ways, and that's be careful, as I said, except in used furniture or mattresses. That's just a good way to bring things in. Uh, and if you if you suspect that you've stayed in an infested room, for example, uh, bring your clothes home and dry them. Don't wash them first. Dry them. Uh, and get the temperature up to 122 degrees Fahrenheit, which most likely is going to happen with any dryer. Uh, inspect your luggage when you get there. And when you go to a motel, if you're concerned about it, check, check the mattresses and headboards when you're staying at a motel, even a five-star establishment. Uh, Be careful when you are uh, moving your luggage around. If you're an international traveler or even in the States, uh, be careful uh, where you you travel, what you ride in. Make sure that you're not getting in a situation where you're going to get an infestation just from traveling around. And you got a question. Okay. Um, I know you just said that if... You want to get rid of them, don't put them in the washer. But if you use the sanitize cycle and get the water really hot, will that get rid of them if you come in from a place where you've seen bed bugs? 
If they could be exposed, I suppose, to at least 122 degrees, uh, that would be the case. The problem in, with washing them is, is, you know, the water cools off as it's getting on the clothes because they're cool. And it's probably not likely, unless you have some kind of special washing machine, that you, that you can keep the temperature high enough to take care of the problem. So you're better off to just go ahead and dry them first and kill things. And if, you, if you're if you afraid you're traveling where this might be the potential, you know, having a piece of luggage that you could actually dry without harming it um, or having a heat chamber that you, you can buy heat chambers to put things in to raise the temperature high enough to kill them before you bring it into the house uh, is certainly a good way to take care of it. I just don't believe you could reliably count on the washing machine, the water being hot enough to get the job done because it cools really quick, especially in the, you know, if you've got the agitator on, you're churning that water, and I just don't think you're going to get the job done. All right, so, you know, you go to the motel. One of the things to do, don't put your suitcase on the spare bed in the room until you've inspected. You know, put it on the luggage rack or in the bathtub or somewhere like that. Keep it away from the wall uh, so you can, uh, if there is a problem there, you can avoid it. My experience has been it's not a huge problem. I still check when I go to a hotel and look. Uh, now, if you if you stay at the uh, at the economy one that looks pretty sketchy when you go in, then maybe you ought to be a little more careful about that. Um, so, as I said earlier, avoiding the used furniture. Uh, be careful with books and things of that problem. Another thing to watch is if you purchase a new mattress or any piece of furniture, don't have it delivered to your home <laughs> unless the unless the furniture dealer uh, has some way to tell you that uh, they're not hauling old old mattresses or things like that in it that might be infested. I was just talking to someone a while ago, and they knew someone that ended up with bed bugs in a new couch because it was hauled at the same time as an old infested mattress was. And so, uh, you know, just, just be aware of those things. You know, this is a terrible thing to say, but, you know, we can't be inhospitable. I'm not in favor of that. But be conscious of what visitors might bring in their bags to your house. Um, you know, I think about people that do clothing drives like churches and uh, social groups that are trying to help maybe people that are needy. And so they have clothing drives. And my experience has been with clothing drives. You get some good stuff, but you also get some stuff people just wanted to throw away. And so be careful about that. Uh, if you're going to do that, have some kind of plan in place to make sure uh, that you're not bringing a problem into the facility you're using or you're not giving somebody a problem when they come in. And, you know, just be wise about it. If your mom has been in the nursing home for the last several years and she's coming home, you may want to inspect her things discreetly to make sure that there's not something coming in with what's going on. Uh, another place to be careful is at the laundromat. You know, if you do your clothes at the laundromat, you uh, you can, uh, obviously, you got the dryers there to get that job done, but be careful where you set your baskets down and things like that if you're doing laundry. Um, as I said, you can get these heat treatment units that you can use on of your own to, uh, to heat treat things that you've got. 
One thing I would say, I wanted to say before we close, we're about to run out of time, but one of the things you can do uh, that's really one of the better things you, you can do, it won't, it's not necessarily going to kill all the bed bugs, but it's do a good job with a vacuum cleaner. If you, uh, if you vacuum along the baseboards uh, and do that really good, get a good vacuum cleaner, vacuum your carpets, uh, and then dispose of those things, then you'll do a good job of getting a lot of the things out. If you suspect you have them, take a knee-high, if you know what I'm talking about, like a pantyhose, and put it in your vacuum cleaner hose and vacuum along. The air can still pass through it, and you'll pick up anything, any bed bugs or bed bug skins or anything like that. Another thing to do is use what are called climb-up devices under the posts of your bed if you think you have them because these are kind of a, a trap for bed bugs. They get in them, and they can't crawl out. They can't get in up to the bed. There's a little, like a little moat. It's not got water in it around the edge of these, and so the bed bugs fall in those, and they can't crawl out of them. And that's not something I would do if I didn't have them, but if you suspect you have a problem. So last of all is if you think you've got a problem, buy encasements for mattresses and those that are made that are bed bug proof. And so lots of other things we could talk about, but we're out of time today. And so if you do have questions, uh, feel free to call in here to the station or send me an email at pblevins. Let me back that up. pblevins at vt.edu. So thank you for being with us today, and thank you, Ivy, for having me on the show. Thank you, Phil, and be sure to tune in next Wednesday for another edition of Farm Talk. And as Phil mentioned, you can email in pblevins at vt.edu or call the radio station 276-944-6933. And really, you can ask about any kind of question, uh, agriculture or, or pest related, and he'll do his best to get you the answers. This is WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise. Also heard at Big Stone Gap 90.1, Clintwood at 90.3, St. Paul at 90.9, Pound at 91.3, Norton at 91.7, and streaming worldwide at WEHCFM.com. FM.com.